Fine Zion and Bez, self-promotion and self-discovery, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. Uh, we're at the end of, of Perik Hamadir, and the, uh, the Perik ends with a, a, a very strange comment and strange stories. There's a, we get into deep Kabbalah here. It ends with a statement of Rabbi Yochanan Mipnei Ma in Mitzoraim Bebavil. Why are there no lepers in Bovil? And he answers, Mipnei Shochlin Tardin Veshotin Shecha. They eat Tardin, a type of root vegetable, Veshotim Shecha, and they drink beer. Verochatim Bemei Prat. And they bathe in the waters of the river Euphrates, of the river Prat. That's the end of Amadi. That's a very strange way to end a Perik of Gomorrah and such a fascinating parish as Hamadir. Hamadir is quite a turning point in the, in the Masechta and in Shas in a way, because Hamadir starts introducing ideas of Nadorim into Ketuvot, oaths and, and vows, uh, because it's talking about a woman who's taken vows upon herself and he doesn't realize until after they're married, can he claim, I, didn't, I, I don't want to be married to a woman who's uh, made vows that are going to limit our lives. And I didn't know about that. So we talk about in this parish, we've talked about Nadorim and Mumim. A woman has certain imperfections which he didn't know about and therefore he can claim that had I known these, I wouldn't have married her. And that's, the, the, that's been the topic of the Gemara. Uh, because, and, and because we start dealing with Nadorim now, uh, the next Masechta is Nadorim. One would think after Ketuvot would come Gitin and Kiddushin, uh, the laws of marriage and divorce, but it doesn't. After this we go into Nadorim and then into Nazir. So there's a deviation that starts in Perikam Madir and continues for another two Masechtas before we get, get back to the marriage Masechtas. But this ending of the Perik is interesting, and the story just before this is about Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, about whom, I'm, about whom we're going to talk about. And we'll see there, there's an, uh, there's an aspect of Nadarim that comes into the story, and that leads into the Euphrates. It's all very fascinating. Let's have a look at it. Firstly, who's Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi? He's one of the uh, very early Amorites from Eretz Yisroel. So it's just after the time of the Mishnah, very early Amorah. And um, he, he's an enormously great human being, as we'll see, beyond anything one can imagine. He used to have a chavrusa with Elio Hanovi. He used to learn with Elio on a regular basis. What does that mean? And how does that mean? Not only that, we'll see it goes even further than that. Um, Rabbi Shur bin Levi also um, understood the power of humility and the destructiveness of self-aggrandizement and self-promotion. It's he who is the author of the statement. Those of you who have been learning Shulchan Aruch with me will know in Simon Bey is the, the Isur to walk in, a, in an arrogant way. That, that one's walk, the way one bears oneself has to be in a, with a degree of humility. Uh, and it's based on Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi in Kiddushin. You're not allowed to walk in a very arrogant, upright way, because that's denying the presence of the Rebbein Shalom in the world. Who are you to be so arrogant? You've got to stand as if you're in the presence of Hashem all the time. And that's paskind in Shulchan Aruch and Simon Beis. In fact, in Shulchan Aruch, the Dalad Amot is left out. The Vilna Gaon says, because it's, it's incorrectly inserted here, we've got a similar piece of Gomorrah in Brochus. The Reef has a Gius in Brochus where it's not Arba Amot. Even one Amot, you're not allowed to stand that way. You're not allowed to walk at all in a way that is arrogant. That's Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, who gives us that halacha, but that in the Shulchan Aruch we've spent a couple of weeks on. Omer Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, 
The same Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi in Gemara Soita talks about how the Rebunisham values a, a humble person. And, the, and he brings that the, when there was a base Hamikdash, there were all sorts of korbanot that you could bring. You brought an Ola, you got an Ola, Mincha, you got a Mincha. But if a person is humble, that's Hashem's favorite korban, is a person who sacrifices his ego. A person who puts his ego aside, that's a sacrifice, that's a korban. And says Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, that's the greatest korban that a human being can bring. Of all the korbanot, we know what it's like, we're coming into Yom Kippur, what korbanot are, what the avodah and the Beis Hamikdash is, how important it is, how magnificent it is, how big it is, but it's nothing like a person sacrificing his ego. Uh, says, so you get an idea of who Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi is. Then we get the story because we're talking about mumin in this piece of Gomorrah, and there's a particular type of, of, of mum, which the Gomorrah says is um, one of the worst of all of them, one of the worst kind of illnesses. It's called ratan, and it's very infectious. It reminds us of the time we've just come through. And Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, and it talks about the different chachomim, how they would quarantine themselves to avoid being infected with ratan. And that would affect the yeshivas would close down the, where there are people around with Ratan and they wouldn't learn together, they wouldn't visit each other, except for Rabbi Yeshua bin Levi. He sat together with patients who had Ratan and he learned Torah with them. And he wasn't worried about that. And, and he says, The Torah can introduce an element of Chen into people who learn it. Will it not protect them? So he was not interested in what the doctor said, discussions among the Rishonim and the Achronim, how he could do that, on what basis he could do that. But he held that if you're learning Torah properly, Lishma, on the level that only he could learn, then you're protected from infection. Nothing's going nothing's to come to you. The story goes on that when it came his time to die, um, Hashem said to the Malach Amovis, do whatever Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi tells you to do. Don't take him in the normal way. Azalit Chazile appeared to Rabbi Shur bin Levi. Rabbi Shur bin Levi said, show me, before I go with you, show me my place in, in, in Gan Eden. Before I die, I want to see where we're going. Uh, so he says, okay, I've been told I've got to do whatever you want. I'll take you. Says Rabbi Shur bin Levi, but on the way, give me your knife. I'm worried you're going to take me on this journey and you're going to kill me on the way. That, that's not okay. Rabbi Shur bin Levi is a person who got to Gan Eden without dying. I mean, that's like the levels of Eliyahu Anovitz, beyond imagining. So he says to the Malach Amovitz, give me the knife. Um, he, he gives it to him. So he gets to, uh, to Gan Eden, and the Malach Amovitz lifts him up over the wall so he can peek into his place in Gan Eden, and he's, uh, he's so impressed, so taken by it, that he falls over the wall into that place. And the Malach Amovitz grabs him by his clothes, by the end of his garment, to bring him back. Um, and he takes it, makes a shvua, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi says, I swear I make a shvua, I'm not leaving this place. I'm not going out of it. You're not taking me back to earth and killing me. I, I'm done. I'm in Ganadian. I didn't die, and I'm not going back to die. Um, says Hashem, Omar well, let's check. If this man ever made a neder and did hatarat nedarim, we've been speaking the last few days, we've had the shir on hatarat nedarim and what that means, so you can get your neder undone. 
But we see from here that even though if your neder is undone, halachically it's undone. It's, it's as if you never made the neder. If a chacham does hatarat nedarim with you. But we need to know, and we do hatarat nedarim erev Rosh Hashanah, we'll do it next week, and we do kol neder on Yom Kippur. However, you see from here that Ibn Yishim wanted to know, did you ever do hatarat nedarim? Because if you did, I'll matter this neder as well. You've just made an oath that you won't leave Gan Eden, says Hashem. If, you, if you've practiced hatarat nedarim, I'll be matter your neder, I'll undo your neder, and then the Malach HaMavid can take you back and kill you. They look, they check and they find. He never did. He, 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 so you see that even though Hatarat Nadarim halachically is a lie, but there's a merit in somebody who says, I've made an, an oath, I'm not undoing it. Even though I, halachically I could, I'm observing it, I'm keeping it. Um, he wanted to, so he'd say he, he, would, he wouldn't go back and, Hashem supported it. He said, the Malach HaMavit says, okay, if I have to go now, give me my knife because I've got other people to take. He said, no, I don't want you taking anybody else. I want everybody to die the way I have just died. Uh, Baskal comes and says, give him his knife. He needs it. It's good for human beings. Death is good for the world. People need to know their time is limited. It's uh, to give the Malach HaMavit his, his instrument. Um, and then Eliyahu comes and he says, make a place for Ben Levi, for Yeshua Ben Levi, Eliyahu Novi clears the place for him, uh, and so on. He finds Rabbi Shimon Ben Yochai there, sitting on 13 chairs, also an interesting concept. Um, so the Omalei says to him, Are you Rabbi Yeshua Ben Levi? And he says, yes. He says, have you ever seen a rainbow? Omalei, he says, yes, there were rainbows in my life. So Rabbi Yishimim ben Yochai says, Then you can't be Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. Because if there's a tzaddik of the level of Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, there's no need for rainbows. And you also discuss discussion why the rainbow, that's also an oath of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. If there's a Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi in the world, there's no need for rainbows. If there was a rainbow in your lifetime, you're not Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. Velohi, the law of immediate, and says the Gemara, it's not true, there, there were no rainbows in Rabbi Yishua bin Levi's time. But Rabbi Yishua bin Levi is the man of humility. He's not going to say, no, there were no rainbows in my time. I'm so great that in my time there was no rainbow. He's, he's an Olam HaEmes, he would never say such a thing. And, and that's based on a, an amazing Zohar in Parshas Balak where the, the, the Zohar talks about the fact that a person gives his foolish away, foolishness away by his words, by his speech. Um, and he says that, that uh, based on the, uh, that one should never self-promote. Ask the Zohar, we learn that it says that you should let a stranger praise you, but don't do it yourself. Don't do self-promotion. But he said, but the Zohar says, but we learn if there's nobody else to promote you, you come to a strange place and nobody knows who you are, you're allowed to tell people who you are. Uh, says, says, answers the Zohar, if nobody knows you, talk some Torah, teach. And by your teaching, people will know who you are. In other words, the Zohar is saying self-promotion undermines dignity. So what do you do? Nobody knows you. The content of what you teach is what tells people who you are. Make yourself known by what you say and what you do, not, a, not by your promotion. This is very foreign in our times where everything is about 
promotion and self-promotion, but it undermines the inner self of the human being. It's the most humiliating thing to have to tell other people, look, I'm great. We don't feel we've become so insensitized to it that we don't realize how it undermines ourselves, uh, uh, the, the being that we, that we really are. Grant, I see you're looking very worried about this. This is your profession. But, uh, but uh, business is a different thing. Sometimes you have to inform people. But self-promotion, putting yourself and pushing yourself, that's something which undermines self. Nothing so humiliating if we would only be sensitive to it, to go and say, look at me, look at me, look at who I am, look at what I've done. And therefore, one shouldn't do it. You want people to know who you are? Speak chokhmah, give wisdom. Say something wise. People will know you're a chokhmah, you're a wise person. You don't tell, tell a person you're a chokhmah. Uh, promote yourself by your content, not by your packaging, is what the Zohar teaches. And then the, uh, let's tie it up into the last, into the last piece of the, of the Nara Prat, a beautiful medrash in, uh, in Bereshis. Rabbi Yeshua Desachnin B'Shem Rabbi Levi, not a connection. Rabbi Shua de Sachne is at the end of the period of the Amoraim of Eretz Yisrael. Amari said, Omrim li prat lama in kolcha holech. They ask the river Euphrates, the prat, why don't you make a noise? There are two rivers in Bovel, as we know, referred to in Bereshis, the Chidekel and the, and the and Nahar Prat. The Chidekel is a torrential river that makes a lot of noise. The prat is a very quiet, tranquil river. Amalehem, eni tzorich. So the Prat says, I have no need to, to be loud. Ma'asai modi imoti. Here you see the same concept. Ma'asai modi imoti. The things I do that tell people, promote who I am. I don't have to blow my own trumpet. Adam notea If people plant agriculture and use my waters, within three days it's already blossoming. So they say to the Chideka, why do you make such a noise? He says, I, I, I hope that people can hear my voice. I have to shout and scream and yell, otherwise I'm not noticed, I'm not recognized. So it's the search for recognition. People need to be seen, people need to be recognized. But there are two roads to recognition. The one is promotion. And the other is spreading of wisdom. And, and the Chidekel says, I, what can I do? That's the, how will people know about me? We ask the fruit trees, why when there's a wind, you're so silent, one doesn't hear your, your branches move. Say the fruit trees, we don't have to make a noise. Our fruit gives our talks about us. And the green trees, we say, why do you make such a noise in the wind? They say, how else will we be noticed if we don't make a noise? The Zohar, again, reinforcing the principle of Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, that it, it's tragic to have to make a noise in order to be noticed. That shouldn't be necessary. If you have content, if you have something worthwhile and something valuable, it takes a little longer, but eventually people notice, and that's the way of the, of the river Euphrates, that's the way of Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, that's what the Zohar says in Parshat Balak, and that's how this, this Perik ends. So Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi is so careful with Nadorim, we've been speaking about Nadorim, we're speaking about Mumin. There's one Mum which is terribly infectious, but Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi is not afraid of it. And, and why this Rabbi Shur ben Levi is so great that he never even undid a neder, that he wouldn't think of doing such a thing. And when asked if, there's, if, he ever, if there was a rainbow in his lifetime, he, he's unwilling to acknowledge even that, because that would be a, a level of self-promotion. 
So he says, he says, no, we've learned in Chazal that one's allowed to lie to avoid self-promotion. If somebody asks you how much you've learned, you don't have to tell people how much you know. You can, you can, cut, it, you can cut it down a little bit. But uh, so, so he's permitted to say so, ending off with this idea of the protection that one gets from drinking or washing in the rivers of the Euphrates. What's so special about the Nar Prat, the Medrash in, in uh, Bereshis, that the Nar Prat, like Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, is a silent river whose greatness is known by the power of its water, the effectiveness of its water, and not by the noise it makes in its torrents. Mm-hmm.